Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for educators to thrive in their own. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? All right, well, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. It is called Teflon and Velcro, and that will make sense in just a moment. But first, I just got to point out, I, I'm, I'm recording this podcast on June 3rd, late in the afternoon. And so for many of you out there, you are starting your summer break, your, your summer holiday right now or maybe you started a week ago or maybe you have another week left or maybe you live in a different part of the world as the analytics show me there's people who listen to this podcast in places other than the United States where I live maybe summer break is not even close to being on your horizon right now so I guess in advance I should say I'm not trying to rub it in that a lot of us are about to take a nice needed sabbatical from teaching but wherever you are and whatever you're circumstances look like. Um, it's been a time, right? And I've said this every podcast, I think by now, but I'll just say it again. This has been a really challenging season to be an educator, whether you're a teacher or a school leader or a para pro or a teacher's assistant or a school nurse or a bus driver, or the list goes on front office staff, whatever you do, if you've been working in schools, this has been a really really challenging season to be uh, a, a school employee, to be somebody who's dedicated their life and their work to serving kids. And that's been for a number of reasons. I mean, in the last couple months, where they're virtually but then also back in person lately, I've gotten a chance to connect with teachers all over the world. I was with a group of teachers in South Africa a couple months ago. I, I talked to um, a school leader in Australia. I was in Indiana just yesterday at a conference full of teachers who are just two days fresh off of the school year into summer break. And so I have just, and then also just on social media and the interactions I have with the videos and podcasts and, and all the things that I post, there is a very common unanimous sentiment among almost every educator who I have encountered. Even the ones who have had what they would describe as a really great year, the common sentiment still is that this has been a really challenging time to be a teacher, this last year specifically. And, and one of my theories why this last year has been so extra hard, because you might think like, oh, well, 2020 would have been the hardest, because that's when we had to go from teaching in person and only knowing teaching in person to shifting rapidly without any preparation or training or, or stipend, nothing into this virtual space. And that was a really big transition. And so a lot of people might, you know, maybe you'd think it would be the first year of the pandemic, but then you look at 2021 and you had all of the quarantines and lockdowns and you're going back to virtual. Now you're going to in-person and back to virtual, back to in-person. Maybe you think 2021 was, but man, it seems like the common agreed uh, sentiment is that this last year, 2021, 2022, has been the most challenging year yet of all of this. And I wonder if that's because we thought 
this year was going to be different. I mean, I, I know I thought it was going to be different for myself. I, I was anticipating to teach the future teachers who I work with at a university here in Michigan. I was anticipating to be finally back with them in person and hands on and getting to go on location with them. And I mean, and, all, and model all of what they're going to do, their pedagogy with them in person. And then it was dramatically, rapidly flipped back to the virtual environment. And so that was so disruptive. But then there's also just anyone, I, everybody I've talked to has shared that they thought it was going to be different and yet it was even harder because now we have students who are so used to virtual classrooms so used to running by their own schedule and their own motivations and their own ideas for what it means to work in school they were they were so much more independent and that wasn't necessarily successful but then they're back into that that physical environment and they don't want to play by the new rules or the new authority or the new structures. And, and, and so you just have millions and millions of students who had school without structure and then all of a sudden were placed back within structures. And it was a really, really challenging experience. And then beyond that, you mix in the apathy that we've seen from students. We see so much apathy from parents as well. I, was, uh, I asked this group of teachers in Indiana yesterday, I said, what's been the most challenging aspect of teaching this last year? And the two major answers I heard from lots and lots of people is that there's been a lot of apathy among students and apathy among parents, parents who are tired of, of it all and so therefore are giving very little in the classroom, very little support, little volunteering, not, not providing resources or backup when their student discipline. All of this seems to have been a compiled effect. And now here we are at the beginning of June and it feels like this has all just been stacking up. And, and yes, there has been beautiful glimmers of hope in all of our experiences, but there's been a lot that has just been challenging, that's just pushed us to the limits. And I know a lot, a lot of teachers have been pushed too far. And we're, and we're seeing teachers who are considering leaving this profession, not because they don't love students, not because they don't even inherently love teaching, but it's become a really, really challenging profession that's been magnified, amplified by this pandemic and all of the circumstances around it. Not to mention all of the external voices that have not necessarily made this work any easier for anyone, whether it's the politicians making accusations against teachers with big, broad brush strokes, or uh, it's the voices on social media that are just constantly negative and, and questioning your work and questioning your intentions. Whatever it is, this has been a lot. And so I guess, I guess I'll say this first, if you have decided to leave the teaching profession, or maybe you already have, and you're, you're listening to this to stay connected to it in some way, either way, all power to you. You know what I mean? All grace and love to you. I mean, we all have our own journeys that we're on. And if we feel this call or a pull to something else, I don't think there's any shame in that whatsoever. Um, but I will say that sometimes certain seasons are really, really challenging. And it's in the middle of those seasons that we make decisions to make things less challenging without realizing that seasons come and go. That's the nature of seasons, right? Like I remember I live here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it was a really, really difficult winter. It was cold and cloudy. And even when it wasn't as cold, it just rained a bunch. The month of April here in Grand Rapids was the cloudiest April on record. 
So since they started like recording since the 1800s, we've never had less sunlight. And, and I got to tell you, I am somebody who loves to be outside and soaking in that vitamin D. And so to have a winter like this was really, really hard. And I'll just admit it right now. Here's a confession. I can complain about weather sometimes, especially if it's keeping me from doing the things that I really want to do. And so, um, I, I, I'd complain a lot, but the, the advice I got from people who grew up here uh, and, and the wisdom I received from people who lived here their whole lives, which I did, and I grew up in Florida where there are hardly are any seasons, uh, the advice I got was like, hey, just wait because it won't like to be like this forever, right? Like it, as bad as winter or early spring can get, it can't stay like that forever. The nature of a season is that it continues and moves into the next one. And, and that's what it's done. Now it's beautiful and 75 and sunny outside. And I'm glad I didn't make any rash decisions like moving somewhere south, um, even though that sounds quite appealing a lot of the year. Now it's beautiful. I'm like, oh, yeah, glad I hung tight. And I wonder what I can learn from that difficult, challenging season of winter. And, and I think there's an analogy there. I, I think that we are in an especially difficult time to be an educator and we don't have to mince words about it or, or stick our heads in the sand and act like, no, it's all good. No, it's, it's not all good. This has been really, really hard trying to engage students who don't want to be engaged or trying to get parents who are completely checked out and don't want to help or, or dealing with the, the enormous amount of behavioral issues and, and learning loss and, and all of the loud voices dealing all that, that is been really hard and we can just name it and that's why I started my workshop yesterday after kind of reading the room and seeing that there was a lot of people in the room who looked like they were kind of depleted like their energy was out I didn't think we could just hop right in to the inspirational side of things or to dive right into pedagogy and curriculum I felt like we needed to give space to, to just name what has been hard what's been challenging what, what's what's kept you up at night What's got you feeling tired right now? And those were the questions we asked and what we talked about. Um, and then that paves way to brighter sides of things and, and figuring out what we can do to move forward. And so, I don't know, maybe I guess the first thing right now is to just name what's been difficult. You know, if you're moving into a season of rest and a summer break, which will again move into a new season of, of excitement and busyness and everything that comes with the start of a new school year. But if you're moving in to this season right now where you get to rest, maybe one of the things you can do is just create a list of what's been hard and name it and, and don't mince words. Name what has been challenging, but then also realize that a lot of those challenges were magnified because of the season that we have been in. They, they, they haven't always been as present as they've been the last couple years, meaning they probably will not be the same way as we move forward forever. Once we move out of this season, which I believe, oh boy, it's hard. I just want to knock on wood as I say it, as I think we're, we're moving out of the pandemic season. And I'm sure there's still going to be elements in it and, and of our lives for quite a while. But as we move out of the constant disruptions and the constant battles that we're having to overcome all of that's happened because of the pandemic, as we move beyond that into a different season, um, I think it's absolutely vital that we do a few things, that we don't just let what's happened the last couple of years just wash over us and we move on to something else and just forget about what it was like to be a pandemic educator. 
Instead, I think it's important that we allow it to work us on, work on us a bit. Um, and, and also, I guess the other thing is when you make that list and, and you can name some of the things that have been so challenging for you, I think it's really important to know that you are without a doubt not even close to alone in having those thoughts. And I can only speak for myself, but I've had all of them too. But I can also tell you that I get to connect with lots and lots of educators. I have this unique perspective as one myself, but then also somebody who gets to just connect with regular teachers all over the world and regular administrators all over the all over the place it's just a cool thing i get to do and i have just heard from all of them that this is a common shared experience and so if there's any part of you that's like you know what i can't keep going right now even if this is just a season i can't keep going because i'm clearly not cut out for it because this has really worn me down i hope you know that you're not the only one worn down by all this and i also hope you know that it's totally okay to feel this way. It's completely fine to feel tired at the end of a marathon, which teaching is, right? Teaching isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. It's an ongoing race and it would only nat be natural to feel tired at the end of it. But then we do need to find ways to reignite that passion after such a difficult year, right? Like maybe your passion for this work has waned over time. Well, we do want to get it back, right? Because even though we have a period of break in front of us, there are, there, there, there's a whole school year on the other side of it. And we want to be ready to approach that work with vigor and energy and, and, and the caring that our students need. We need that. And that is fueled by passion. That passion is what, helps us do everything it, it animates us you know like our spirits are animated by passion the word spirit is that which animates our physical presence and so like what like what makes up our spirit what is our passion well i found in my own life but then also in so many encounters with others that the best source of passion is having purpose you know understanding why you do what you do. When we have a strong underlying purpose, that is the fuel for passion. I've, I've shared it before, but I'll say it again. One of my favorite quotes um, has some, it's along the lines of a strong why will allow us to withstand any how. And there's a lot of hows in being a strong educator. There's a lot of how am I going to do this? How am I going to engage this class? How am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to articulate this complex information? How am I going to connect with parents? Whatever it is, all of those hows are there and they're present and they're not going anywhere. Hopefully they're not as hard all the time. I, I think everything's been made more difficult and hopefully the hows are not as severe as they have been, but they're going to be present. And so we have to beg, we have to ask the question, what is the why that's going to allow us to overcome all of those hows? What, what's, what is that? You know, um, I, I can say for myself, but also many other teachers who I've talked to became a teacher because of a desire to help students achieve success in some way. I mean, maybe you were inspired to help students find success in learning how to read or, or learn how to speak in public or fall in love with science. Maybe you wanted to connect with students at a deep and personal level and help them through really challenging periods of my life, of, of their lives. You know, I had a teacher in sixth grade 
grade Mr. Peters, who single-handedly helped me get through my parents' divorce. I mean, he was absolutely monumental when I was a 12-year-old boy. And, and because of the connection I had with him on that personal level, as he was helping me overcome all of these struggles as a kid, I found myself engaging so much more in the content of his class. And the impact he had on me was enormous. And it was a huge, major influence on why I chose my career in college to become a teacher. And so maybe one of the things you can do this summer is reflect on that reason. You know, why did I think it would be a good idea to spend 180 plus days of the year with young people? You know, most of us had a really strong why when we began. But then through the toil of grading and lesson planning and challenging parents and challenging students and testing and classroom management and pandemics, it was easy to forget what that was. And I may have shared it before on another podcast, so I won't spend too much time on it, but one of the physical things that I keep to remind me of that why, to help, rem help me remember why I got into this, place, this, this position in the first place and why I wanna keep doing it, is my rainy day folder. The rainy day folder is just this tool. It's like a callback or a physical reminder that, that just helps me remind why I do this work. It's just a collection of past notes from current students or past students or their parents or maybe from other teachers or administrators or people who saw me give a talk somewhere. Anything that affirms the work that I do, that reminds me that this is why I do it. This is what success looks like. And, you know, I keep them all in that folder and I keep it in my desk. And on those really rainy days, which are inevitable, it's something that I love to just pull out and look at and read through. And it makes me feel good, but it also reminds me like, oh, this work hasn't been in vain. You know, the work of a teacher is never in vain. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of those types of things. So maybe, maybe create a physical reminder like a rainy day folder and go through your emails and search up keywords and try to find those emails that are uplifting to you, that remind you that you are actually good at your work. Collect those and print them out or put them in a digital folder and keep them for those rainy days. But then the next thing I would suggest that you do this summer as, as we, we move from one season to the next is just to make intentional time to reflect. Reflect on this past year. Don't let it go by without a period of reflection. Think about what went well and what didn't go well. And then just dedicate time to actually ask some of those questions, like what lessons went well? What increased engagement for my students? How can I make more of that happened next year? Despite all of the disruption of COVID, where did I still find success? This is so essential. I saw this video recently, this lecture by Dr. Rick Hansen. He's a psychologist, and he talks about how our brains are like Velcro for negativity, and they're like Teflon for positivity. So essentially what he said is that it takes about 15 seconds for a positive interaction, a positive occurrence to have an imprint on our brains and cause a shift in our mood and our well-being. It, it, it takes 15 seconds of actually sitting with something good that happened to you for it to actually affect your overall being. But then he says, conversely, a negative encounter imprints on our brains almost instantly. It takes one second for something negative to impact your mood and affect your well-being. 
And this is why you can have such a wonderful day and everything's going good. And then you make that fatal mistake of checking your email, your work email at 5 p.m. And it could be from an angry parent or an angry student or from an, wherever. And you can read that negative email and it can ruin your entire evening, even though you had a great day before that. And that's why reflecting on the positive is so essential. Without dedicated time for reflection, it's so easy for our memories of the previous year to just be drowned out by the negative memories. It's not like good things didn't happen. It's just that our brains don't remember them as well all the time. Our, we're, we're, they're, they're like Teflon. It bounces off. And it's the things that we actually sat with and allow to work on us that stick with us. And so when we're spending time in the summer doing some reflection, it is so important to really let your mind wander towards the positive. Because the positive is not as easy to come by, but it's obviously impactful when it happens. And then after reflecting on that success, maybe consider what you could do better. There's nothing wrong with that as well, being critical of your work, as long as there's this bent towards progress and making it better. I mean, maybe there was a unit that just bombed last year and you didn't see a whole lot of redemption in it. Maybe it's time to just scrap it and throw it out. But maybe the summer is the time where you make that decision. Maybe a few times this past year you called parents and affirmed their children. And you just gave good news. And they were absolutely overjoyed to hear something positive about their kid. And as a result, you saw change in that student's behavior in the classroom. Well, maybe you only made a few of those calls throughout the year. Don't beat yourself up about it, but plan to do more next year. Write it down. Say, this is something I'm going to do and add more regularly to my practice. You know, it, it's all about giving yourself space to think about things and think about how we can improve, but then also how we can affirm the good work that we did and allow it to work on us. This is, you know, when I talk about finding what your why is or that purpose behind your work, a lot of that comes from giving your space time to giving yourself space time to actually do that and then the other thing I'm going to say two more things one other thing you can really do as we move into the summer break is to think about what can I do new next year? You know, perhaps whatever you've been doing for a long time is starting to get a little stale. And maybe you want to try something different with your students. You want to kind of shake things up. You know, I was thinking about it. You might not be tired of teaching, but instead you're just tired of the ways that you've been doing it. I know I've experienced that a lot. I, I with the uh, one time I got really like into telling, I mean, I'm always into telling stories, but I got really into telling stories to my students and kind of lecturing and making it really engaging direct instruction. But that became a key staple to my classroom and it was working really well for a while. My students were really leaning in and into this aspect of my class. But after a while, it kind of just kind of started getting old because I was doing it every single day and I was forgetting about some of the other ways that I would engage my students and my other pedagogy and I could see they were starting to get tired of it as well and by the like a, a couple months of this new strategy I was trying to adapt I, I kind of got stale and old and I thought I was kind of running out of steam on being a teacher because you know I don't feel like my students are connecting as well anymore I'm not getting as excited about delivering a lesson but then I started thinking about it like well 
you haven't done a project in a while. You know, you haven't really had a hands-on activity with students or you haven't done a simulation in a bit where students are kind of acting out what they're learning or maybe you need more down quiet time where students can process and think and read. And, and, and I realized I wasn't getting sick of teaching. I was getting sick of the way that I was doing it. And that's why I think summer can be a really great opportunity to get creative, to think about how can I change things up? Maybe, maybe you could try doing more projects with your students and you could try to actually plan a project this year. Maybe you could have them collaborate more next year and have, be more hands-on in your class and you could do a little bit of reading this summer or, or exploring on the internet for ideas to make that actually happen. You know, what if you spent some time this summer developing a, a maker space or maybe you thought about changing your classroom seating arrangements so your room actually looks different. Or maybe if you go to a flea market or garage sale, you pick up a bunch of really old, funky art and you'd plan to redecorate your classroom. Whatever it is, sometimes it, you just need a fresh start and you need a fresh appearance and setting for all that unfolds in your classroom. And I love doing that. That's always been one of my favorite things is not having the same looking classroom every single year. Now, you don't have to do this. Maybe you love the way everything looks or you love the way that you're teaching and it's more the external factors, that's fine. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel every year. But what I've found is that sometimes trying something new actually gives you energy in life. Yes, it requires work on the front end and it requires work in that moment because it's new and you're not exactly sure how it's going to look. But what I have found over and over is the more I push myself outside of my comfort zone and I'm trying different things and I'm, and I'm trying new things and exciting things, the more life I feel about the work that I'm doing. It gives me energy. It invigorates me. And maybe it'll do the same for you. And so maybe take some time this year, this summer, whenever you get your next break, and just consider what could maybe I do new and innovative in my classroom next year. And then the last thing that I want to share as we wrap this up is what if you made your summer break actually a break? <laughs> Well, what if you really did, you know, yes, there's time for learning and growing and PD and planning new things. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure some of that will be mandated to you. It'll be obligatory that you spend time thinking about these things. That's, that's fine. But I'm, I'm also guessing that you will have some personal downtime. And what a shame it would be if you did not allow it to actually be downtime. If you, if, if, if you didn't take the opportunity to not think about school or read books that have nothing to do with education or listen to podcasts, besides this one, by the way, if you could listen to podcasts that were about things that didn't have to do with school. Keep listening to this one, though. But otherwise, right? Like, what if you just let it drift off for a bit knowing that when you get a break it actually recharges you it's like it's that metaphor i've shared before that you know you cannot overflow from an empty cup maybe your cup's a bit empty and you need some time at the beach or you need some time in a hammock in your backyard or you need some time in a novel or you need some time doing something that fills that cup back up so that when you are back in the classroom or back in the hallways or back in the front office or back in the school bus whatever you do you actually have water to overflow out of your cup to the people who you serve, whether that's the staff that works with you or whether that's the students in your classroom. You actually have capacity for that. So much of taking a break is about giving yourself capacity because the last couple of years, there hasn't been a lot of capacity. It's been full. 
It's been challenging. It's been hard. And so as we move beyond that season, I hope you can find more capacity. And I hope you can ultimately realize that life is a bunch of seasons. And sometimes those seasons are really cold and dreary. And sometimes they're really bright and sunny. And a lot of life is about finding ways to find joy no matter what season you're in. And if that hasn't been your story, that's okay. There's, there's plenty of time to figure out how to find joy in challenging seasons. But hopefully in this next season, you do find it. I hope it's inherent. I hope it's just ever present and, and it's there for the taking. So with all that being said, my friends, I hope you have a really great start to your summer holiday. Or if you don't have a summer holiday, that you can find some joy and peace in the midst of everything you're doing right now. And if I'm going to see you this summer, because I'm about to hit the road. Actually, I already did. I went to Indiana yesterday. I'll be in Virginia next week. Um, the following week, I'm going to be in Yorktown, Indiana, in the Indianapolis area. So if you are in the Midwest, that is a conference that's open to the public. So I'll be giving the keynote there. I'll also be doing a full day of workshops and then I'm going to do a full day project-based learning workshop followed by another two-day project-based learning workshop and I believe all of that is open to the public um, and it's a pretty small fee too so feel free to check that out. I'll also be going all over the place. You can check out my spots on my website at trevormuir.com but I cannot wait to just get out this summer and spend more and more time with teachers and other educators all over the place um, to not only commiserate a bit and, and share what's been challenging, but then also to find the life and joy and grace that's been woven into all of it as we move to the next season. So anyway, if I'm going to be seeing you in the next few months, whether it's in Indiana or Virginia or Alaska, I'll be going to Alaska next year. I'll be in Georgia, throughout different places in Michigan. If I see you at any of those places, I cannot wait. Please say hi. So thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir, and uh, I will see you next time.